Hey there, thanks for joining us for the latest podcast from Resound Church. We really believe that together we are better, and our heart is to reach, send, nurture, and disciple people as they become all that God has intended them to be. You can subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or head over to our website, resound.church forward slash app, to grab our app, which will keep you up to date with everything going on. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Good morning. Just going to get myself set up, move this here. Hey, well, we are the fourth week of our Legends and Their Legacies series, and I get to bring it home this morning, which I'm super excited about. It's going to be fantastic. Um, so I hope you're ready for a word. I hope you're w- ready to learn something new um, This morning, I actually get to speak about Elijah and Elisha, and I reckon I got the choice of legends. Um, These two legends in the Bible are two of my absolute favourites, and so it's a privilege to be able to bring the word this morning. But, you know, over the last couple of weeks, we've just been looking at what is a legend in the Bible and what is it that they can teach us. And so, you know, Wayne started us off with Abraham. Trent then stepped us through the next bit of David, you know, learning and pulling apart elements from his character um, that we can learn from, from him. And then last week, Ruth was uh, speaking about Deborah and the incredible stuff that, that she got to, to bring out and, and do in her time too. And so we get the privilege of being able to read back in history actually um, how God used ordinary people like you and like me, to do extraordinary things. And I think if that, if we were to sum up this whole series, it is just that, that ordinary people can be used by God to have an extraordinary um, impact on the world. And it doesn't have to be big, major stuff. It can just be people being who they are, being available, willing to be used by God. And so as I said, I get to have a look this morning at Elijah and Elisha. So if we look at Elijah as a starting point, you know, his name alone means Jehovah is God. And as we look at, and if we were to summarise his major feats, I guess they can be summarised this way, that he had undaunted courage, that he had a zeal for God, that, you know, he had this incredible triumph on Mount Carmel, which we'll come to in just a few moments. But he also went through the depths of despair. And again, I think that's something you and I can relate to in this period of time that we find ourselves in. You know, we are at this unique moment in time in history where it feels like the world is all over the shop. I was talking to a friend last night and and she lives overseas and I said to her, you know, 18 months ago, the world was so accessible. I could jump on a plane at any time and within 24 hours, I could be visiting, you know, anywhere in the world. And the luxury and the the connectedness of of the world um, was so easy. But now we find ourselves in lockdown and restrictions and, you know, countries not letting other countries in. and, And that can be really tough and feel really disconnected. The world has suddenly felt a little bit larger than it did even 18 months ago. And, uh, and, you know, so there's this depth of despair that Elijah 
goes through. Then we also see, though, that he has this glorious rapture into heaven. He's one of the, uh, he and, and uh, Enoch, you know, we read both the accounts that God actually captures them up into heaven. They actually don't die. Uh, and then we also see him in the New Testament reappear at the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. Let's uh, pick up our scripture this morning from 1 Kings 17 verses 1 to 7. And it says, Now Elijah, who was from Tishba in Gilead, told King Ahab. This is our introduction to Elijah. Usually in the Old Testament, if somebody appears on the scene, there is an explanation of their genealogy, who they've been connected with, you know, how they kind of fit in the picture. But all we get about Elijah is that he was from Tishba in Gilead. And he appears before King Ahab and says, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by Kerith Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did just as the Lord told him and camped before, beside Kerith Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up and there was no rainfall in the land." You know, I think it's really interesting when we look at Scripture to actually pull out the depths of, of what um, the meanings and symbolisms are. You know, I started by saying that Elijah's name is Jehovah, means Jehovah is my God. But I, I, I kind of was like, okay, well, what does Kareth Brook mean? Like, why would God say, you know, after he's appeared to, to King Ahab that you'd go to Kareth Brook? Well, the Hebrew meaning for Kareth is a cutting or separation, like cutting off of a body part, like an amputation. It's a place of separation, and it's exactly where God hid Elijah. If we look through the Bible history, it says that he spent about 12 months by this brook. Um, he was able to drink from the brook while there was water there because he had announced to the king and he'd prayed that God would close the heavens up, that there'd be no rainfall happening. So, you know, if there's no rain, that means that, you know, things become quite desolate. Things start to dry out. The, and so God sends him to Kerith Brook, this place of separation, this place of, of cutting, you know, moving apart, you know, moving him out from, from his comfort space, from the things that he's known and sends him to almost this place in the wilderness. You know, sometimes God puts us through a season of being hidden before he releases us into the next stage of our calling. And that's what we see here with Elijah that he's sent here. He's fed by ravens. Now, anyone that knows me knows birds and I are not friends. And so as I read this scripture, I'm like, God, why would you use a raven? Like they're big and they're ugly and they're scary. Um, but do you know that the sim uh, symbolism of ravens in the Bible, anytime we read about it, is of God's provision. And so God uses a raven to bring him bread and meat and so I have this picture in my story, give you a bit of insight into how my brain works. This scary black bird, you know, flying up twice a day in the morning and the night, bringing bread in its beak and bits of meat that it's 
torn off some animal that it found somewhere. But God enabled this raven to be able, or these ravens to be able to come and, and to bring provision to keep him alive. You know, we don't despise the times of being hidden or separated. Some of God's greatest work within us comes in times where we feel secluded and tucked away. He was here at Kerith Brook for 12 months before he moved on. And he only moved on because um, Kerith Brook, the stream, actually dried up. There was no more water. You know, it got me thinking about a seed, right? A seed can't actually um, fulfill its potential unless it's dug and put in the ground. And when that happens, I'm not a huge gardener, but I've done a little bit of stuff. If you put a seed in the ground, you actually have to cover it over with dirt. It's in darkness. It feels like nothing's happening. And for a while, we can look at where we've planted something with a seed and nothing, nothing comes up. We're like, is there even anything happening under there? But you know what? Despite it being covered over, despite it not seeing the sunshine, despite nothing showing on the surface, it actually derives its nutrients from the soil while it's covered And it undergoes a transformation while it's there. And you know what? We can look at seasons in our life where it feels like we are separated, that we are covered, that that nothing is happening on the outside. But it's the very times that God can use us and put his finger on stuff in our lives to bring nutrients into our lives to help us grow and develop, to go through a place of transformation under the surface so at the right time God can utilise us in a new season. But I love with a seed that it's always searching for the sun. So even though it's underneath the ground, even though it's covered over with soil, it's always searching for the sun. And I think there's something in that for us, that we are to be a people that always search for the sun. Elijah's legacy was prayer. You know, he prayed that there would be no Rain And for three and a half years, that's one powerful prayer, don't you think? Three and a half years, there was no rain on the earth. We pick up, uh, the story goes along and there's so much in his life. I could probably preach on this for six months because there's so much in his life that we can learn from. But we, we find him then uh, on Mount Carmel. And so again, he's appeared before King Ahab and he said, you know, King Ahab was a wicked king. His wife Jezebel was all about bad stuff. She's not a good woman. She's not somebody that we want to take after. Uh, She had actually killed a whole heap of the prophets of God. And uh, at this stage, Elijah was only one of the only prophets left on the earth at this time. And so I guess Elijah puts out this challenge. He goes, listen, let's stop arguing about is Baal God or is my God the true God? Let's do a test. And so they get on Mount Carmel and he says, okay, go grab two bulls, some wood. Let's build an altar. I'll build one. Prophets of Baal, which there's 450 of. So talk about intimidation. One guy against 450, you know, people. You, you build your altar. You put, cut your um, bull up. You put it on there. And then I'll do the same. And we'll both call to our gods and we'll see which one comes down with fire and actually consume stuff. So 
The prophets of Baal spend all day. They've built their altar. They've cut their their bull up. They're calling on Baal. They're cutting themselves. They're really trying to cause a racket. They're like pleading to Baal, come on, would you come and consume this thing? And nothing happens. So Elijah goes, all right. So he builds his altar. He actually puts 12 stones around it, each of the tribes of Judah, you know, of Israel, um, to symbolise that. He cuts up his bull. And then, just because, you know, he's, he's so confident in his God coming through, he's like, let's get some water and let's pour water on top of the wood. And, the, and you know, because... I don't know about you, but water and fire don't tend to usually be conducive to helping each other. Uh, Water usually, you know, suffocates fire. And and so he pours water on and then he's like, nah, it's not enough. Let's do it a second time. And he goes, nah, still not enough. Let's do it a third time. And then he goes, God, would you come down? And in an instant, God comes down. Fire comes from heaven, consumes the wood, the bull, the stones, all the water is consumed. And so no one can doubt that Elijah's God is actually the true God. Baal's prophets had spent a whole day trying to get some sort of reaction and got nothing. And so then Elijah goes, he kills all the prophets of Baal, and then he goes to the top of of the mountain and he starts praying. And he has a servant with him and he says to the servant, go and look and come and report back to me when there is a cloud. Seven times he sends the servant away. Could you imagine me and the servant? I don't see any clouds. Uh, do I go back? Do I make it up? What do I do? But he goes back to Elijah. Nah, still nothing. Elijah's like, go back. God's going to come through. God's going to come through. God's going to come through. And on the seventh time, God comes through. You know, prayer changes the most impossible of situations. I have never lived on the earth where it hasn't rained for three and a half years because somebody prayed, and then it only started raining because somebody prayed. If we were to look at the legacy that Elijah left, it's that of prayer. But then we pick up, right, Elisha. Love Elisha. So let's, let's go there, First Kings 19, verse 19 to 21. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Saphat, ploughing a field. Don't you love Old Testament names? There were 12 teams of oxen in the field and Elisha was ploughing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. So Elisha returned to his ox and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plough to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah. I love Elisha. You know, if Elijah Elijah was kind of known as the prophet of judgment, But Elisha was the prophet of grace and love and tenderness. 
And so here we see, you know, there's a whole other part to the story in Elijah because he he gets really down and and because Jezebel threatens to kill him after after the rain has come and so he runs off and and he goes to the mountain and and you know God wasn't in the earthquake and he wasn't in the fire he was in the small still voice you might know the story if you don't go to first kings read it this week and so he comes in this part of, of desperation, Elijah does. And, and God says, once he's met him in the small, still voice, he actually gives him instructions for the next part. And that one of those instructions is to go and anoint Elisha to be the next prophet. So here we see the story unfolding. Elisha's just doing his thing. He's in a, in a field. He's plowing away. He's doing what he's always done. And, and this random guy walks up and throws a cloak around him and then just walks off. But Elisha knew in that moment that God was doing something and he needed to pay attention. So he says, hang on a minute, runs after Elijah, goes and has a conversation, comes back and the part I love about when he comes back is he doesn't procrastinate. He doesn't take time going, well, I think I need some more, some more pointers in the ground, God, some more times that you're going to speak and confirm that this is you. He actually gets rid of the very things that could be the comfort zones that he could run back to in tough times. You know, he was a man that would plough the field and we read that he actually breaks up his plough and cuts up his oxen, the very things that he could keep going back to. But he goes, nah, you know what, God, I'm drawing a line in the sand right here. I know that you've got something greater for me and there could be a temptation to want to come back to the things of the old. But he goes, I'm not even going to allow that to be a temptation in my life. You know what, I'm going to break up the plough, I'm going to I cut up my oxen, so I actually can't go back there. And there's something in that for us. You know, so often we're looking at, okay, I've got plan A, B, C, D, E, and F if God doesn't come through. And I'm not saying that we need to be unwise, but what I am saying is when God speaks, we need to be a people that are willing and open to hear Him. We need to, and then not procrastinate and look for 10 other signs, actually step out in faith and go, God, I know that that's you. It seems a little bit crazy. You know, Elisha's chasing after a man that, you know, we don't read he's had any other interaction with up until this point. And he didn't even say anything to him. He threw a cloak over his shoulders. But he he goes, you know what, God, I'm all in. I am all in all in. And I want no distraction of the past to go back to, to tempt me, to go back to where I've been because God, I'm looking forward and I'm going wholeheartedly for you. Is is a comfortable life worth the price of of unfulfilled potential? Is a comfortable life worth the price of unfulfilled potential? Then we see that, that Elisha and Elijah, Elijah knows that God's about to take him, right? So I said before, he's one of the only people in the Bible that doesn't die. And so Elisha is like, well, I, I'm going with you. Like, I want to see this thing happen. He's like, nah, 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 stay back. And he's like, no, I want to see it. 
actually, and, and, and Elijah's like, oh, really? Oh, I'll just go do it myself. And Elisha's like, nah, like we've done life together. I've gleaned from you. I've learned from you. I've been discipled by you. We've done life together. You know, uh, part of the scripture says that Elijah and Elisha were never separated. So, you know, don't let yourself think too much about that. But that means they were always by each other's side and, and walking and doing everything together. They ate together, you know, all sorts of stuff together. They did life together, which is what true discipleship really is. And he goes, I want a double, I want a double portion of your blessing. Second Kings second at uh, two. Uh, verses 1 to 2 and then 9 to 14. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were travelling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. Verse 9. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. A double share. You know what this reminds me of? Tag, you're it. As a kid, I don't know if you played tag, but the whole thing of the game is that somebody is tagged and then, and then they're it. They're it for the next round. You run around, you don't want to get tagged. But here Elisha is saying, hey, I want to be tagged. I don't want to just live a mediocrity, a life of mediocrity. I want to live a life with purpose. And he saw something in Elijah's life that he wanted to be able to take into the future, even though his mentor was not going to be with him any longer. Tag, you're it. There's something in that that we need to capture too. You know, Jesus came, he died on the cross, he showed us the way to go. He brings all truth to our lives and his very last commandment to us was to go into all the world and make disciples. So today, tag, you're it. We are to be a people that are discipled, but are disciplers. We are to be a people that learn and glean as much as we can, but also that go and be Jesus to the world. We carry something inside of us that the world needs to know more than any other time. Right now, our world is broken. There are so many people that are struggling with mental health. You know, I heard a story this week of, of a girl that doesn't know Jesus and, and she her only lifeline was going to school. And over the last couple of weeks in this lockdown, she started cutting herself and her mom doesn't even know what to do anymore. Come on, we have a hurting generation of people on the earth right now that need to know about Jesus. So how do we do that? Well, Elijah gave us the legacy of prayer. Situations might seem impossible, but we are to pray. And then Elisha, his legacy was how to be discipled and then to go. We can learn from these legends. You know, it's easier to go along with the cloud, but it's more satisfying to follow the call of God. Tag, you're it. 
We were called to stand out and not blend in. Then we jump into the New Testament, into James chapter 5, verses 18, and I'm going to skip some, some scripture there. But it says, Elijah was as human as we are, and yet he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, and none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. You know, as a church, from the 1st to the 21st of August, we're actually going to set aside 21 days to pray, to fast, to read our word, to worship, to seek God, to get a fresh and new revelation of his love for us. And we're joining with our Axe Global family in doing that. So that means that not only Resound Church family, but our Axe Global Church's family are going to spend 21 days in prayer and in fasting. And what that means is over those 21 days, we're going to have different things, uh, different areas of encouragement each day. Some of you may not have fasted before. Can I encourage you? Take Take a step of faith and actually fast. That might be one meal, one day a week. Maybe your prayer life's felt really, really dry, and I'm going to invite the team to come back. Uh, Really, really dry in this season. Come on, why don't you put some time aside to spend with Jesus? There's going to be passages of scripture that we can memorize together. And you know what's really important in this season where we're told to separate, where we're told that there's restrictions, where we're told that we need to stay apart and and I get all that. But in the spiritual, we can actually come together in unity and see God do incredible stuff. Come on, I want to hear testimony of people that have been really struggling that have a fresh and new encounter with God because we're going to do it together. And, and the way that this has been designed over from the 1st to the 21st of August is that each pe- person can do something. You can do something. You can do something. Come on, let prayer be a legacy that we pick up and run with. Let discipleship be a legacy that we want to lean into to learn and grow into the fullness of what God has for each and every one of us. There is so much that we can learn from the Word. It is still alive today. Just open the books, open the pages and let the Word of God come alive in your life again. Come on, grab your journal out again and start writing. Hey, if you're in a season where you feel covered, you feel separated, you feel like nothing's happening, instead of uh, allowing the words of the enemy to come over you to say that you are hidden and there is no hope, come on, start to rise up. Start to get into your prayer closet. Come on, start getting on your knees and go, God, there's a battle going on around me and I don't know any other way to fight but to pray. Come on, let worship stir in your spirit and start coming out of your mouth. Come on, start declaring the promises that God has spoken over you before. His promises don't have an expiry date. So come on, it's time to step in in faith again. It's time to rise up again. Oh Lord, we just want to pick up 
God, the legacy of prayer and discipleship. We want to be a people, God, that seek You wholeheartedly. And so, Father, I pray over this next season, Lord, that we would be a people that rise despite what may be on the outside, despite the lack of... of, um, a fruit that we may see, God, or the seeds sprouting through the ground. God, we know and we trust and we believe in your sovereignty. And God, we trust you in this season, Lord, that you are still nurturing us. God, that you are still giving us nutrients to grow. Father, you are still preparing us. You are still speaking. You are still moving. So Lord, help us where we can't see it. Remove scales from our eyes, take blinkers off and let us see you, God, in all your fullness. We're going to send some more information out about those 21 days in August. Come on, tag, you're it. Hey, what a great message. Thanks for joining us here at Resound Church. We pray that you've been encouraged through the message and that you've grown just a little bit closer to God. While you're online, why don't you head over and give us a like on Facebook or Instagram or check out our website at resound.church. You can subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or head over to our website resound.church forward slash app to grab our app, which will keep you up to date with everything going on. Well, don't forget next week, there'll be another amazing podcast here to listen to from Resound Church. We hope you join us then.